It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. I may sound a beat, but inside I am dying. The Knicks lost their sixth game in seven tries, 112 to 97 over the Milwaukee Bucks. But unlike some of their recent losses, Alex, there was a very clear, undebatable silver lining. Yeah, Quentin Grimes uh, exploded in his first NBA start, scores over 20 points, hits seven three pointers, a new Knicks rookie record. So we're going to talk about that naturally. We're going to talk a little bit. Bigger picture about Julius Randle uh, and also address sort of the elephant in the room, so to speak. Uh, Kemba Walker's status after not getting any playing time in this game after a, uh, a COVID ravaging uh, of this team prior to the game. So we're going to talk about all that next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team Every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and today's episode, well first, before we begin to that, we wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. You didn't know, we are now on YouTube, and you should go and subscribe. And today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepix.com and use promo code MBA, or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. I'm very excited. I just started some prep for Hoopal today. Very big high school basketball tournament. You can check that out with a subscription to Flow Sports in mid-January. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Greatest Knicks website on the internet. The Strickland, uh, they have some Patreon uh, aspects now, so go check that out. I am going to drop some money because I, I miss I miss having Prejudice win in my life, so I am excited to go do that. 
Um, maybe, maybe I can get a discount. I don't know. Alex, I'll talk to you about that after the show, but you we, know, maybe if you, maybe if you let me tag along, we can yeah. swap lives for a little bit, maybe too. like at least high school basketball, you go in expecting it to kind of stink a little bit and it's just kind of fun. Like I kind of miss high school basketball right now. having watched the Knicks all the time. <laughs> you know what? If you want to spend uh, five days in, uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts in the middle of nowhere, you yeah. Why not? You're welcome. You're welcome, man. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. We've delayed the we've delayed the pain long enough. A 112 to 97 loss for the New York Knicks against the Milwaukee Bucks. But we're going to delay the pain a little bit longer because we are focusing this entire first segment on that man, Quentin Grimes, who played 40 minutes, shot nine for 17 from the field, seven of nine from three. Actually started off, or excuse me, seven of 13 from three. Started off seven for nine from three. 27 points, three assists, three steals. Three rebounds, those 27 points were more than he had scored in the entire first 25 games of his NBA career. So a fantastic game from the rookie from Houston, Alex. Uh, I mean, a bright spot on what otherwise was not a lot of fun this afternoon. Yeah, I thought it was going to be kind of funny slash like tragic if he hit 30 points in his first NBA start after it took RJ what felt like forever to hit it. Uh, He did shatter Frank Nilakina's record, though. Uh, who hadn't gotten his first 20-point game until the 1920 season, his his third season in the NBA. So he's already, things are already looking up for him as a Knicks rookie. He has not quite hit that Damian Dotson level yet, where if you remember, Damian Dotson had the third, what was it, 35-point game uh, his rookie season late on. But, you know, it, Grimes has got some time to get there. But it was great. I mean, I thought, I thought what was really good about Grimes was he was providing – Almost like what we talked about with Fournier to a degree, where we were like, oh, like when we were trying to talk ourselves into Fournier going into the season. I mean, it wasn't even just talking ourselves into it. Like, this is the player that Fournier was before he came to the Knicks and has apparently forgotten how to do all these things. But like, you know, Fournier, we were talking about, oh, he's never going to get trapped like Reggie Bullock because like he can make a shot, uh, but he can also put the ball on the floor and he can play make a little bit and like do this, do that. And that was basically what we saw out of Grimes in this game. Like he was playing good. Well, all right. I shouldn't say he was playing good defense. He was playing okay enough defense. That's going to take some time to come along. You know, defending on NBA level takes, takes some time. I think he definitely has the blueprint to be good at that, but he still doesn't quite know where he's supposed to be at certain times. He was overhelping sometimes, which is leading to open threes for Chris Middleton, stuff like that. So that's a work in progress, but that's okay because he's a rookie, but on offense, surprisingly, he looked the most polished where he was making great decisions about, okay, do I have a hair trigger here and shoot? Yes. Or, you know, is the defender too close? Okay. Put it on the floor, make a quick move, you know, or make another quick swing pass, whatever. He was just, he had great timing. He had, honestly, I think my favorite thing that he did, which is crazy to say, and on a day when he made seven to 13 from three is, you know, some of his, assists were just beautiful like he had this one where he sort of thought about it for a second then drove into the paint and made this beautiful dump off pass where he was sort of like he was going um from the the right side of the paint to the left side of the paint and like was going like he was maybe going for a reverse layup got you know tagged by you know his defender and the the rim protector and then made this like beautiful uh behind the back pass or like not behind the back but like backwards pass you know whatever like no look to Mitchell Robinson for an easy dunk I mean that's the sort of stuff that you could never in your wildest dreams imagine a player like Reggie Bullock doing and like I tweeted during the game and I'll throw this to you Gavin like 
to see your thoughts on this. I tweeted during the game, and like people were like, "You're you're selling him short. You you know this is way over overvaluing Bullock." But I I don't think people understood. I wasn't talking about a ceiling. I was talking about I, I what I think like ninety percent the outcome is for Grimes is that he could he'll probably become in his NBA career almost at minimum Reggie Bullock with the ability to put the ball on the floor, and that he'll be a three and D player. Um, you know heavy emphasis on the defense because I do think that will come around eventually heavy emphasis on the threes because it's clear that he has a really pure three-point shot but then you know we saw this playmaking which is like the next level skill for him and could potentially you know make him a starter on this next team down the road somewhere maybe not even this season you know if the team is fully at full strength but I'm hoping he at least managed to crack the rotation permanently today because he definitely brings a a much-needed element to this team in multiple facets and on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And I think what's encouraging is, is clearly like this wasn't, this wasn't a fluke. This wasn't a rookie who was deep on the bench. Everyone's out and saying, all right, let, let's give him some time. And he, and he gets kind of hot and you're like, all right, let's stick with him a little bit. Uh, sort of like the, the Alonzo Trier scenario is how I'll describe that one. Um, but it was, I remember listening to uh, the bank shot podcast by, by John Schmelk, our, our friend. Um, and he had Fred Katz on and Fred was talking about, um, he was like, you know, like, have you heard anything about the rookies? And he was like, Tibbs really likes Quentin Grimes. And he was saying that he he talked to Taj Gibson and he was asking Taj, what's the biggest difference between Tibbs when you first got him as a coach 10 years ago now? And he said, he's just much more invested in the rookies. So the fact that Tibbs is like paying a lot of attention and clearly seeing enough in Grimes to say, hey, emergency scenario, he's the guy we're going to go to to start. This isn't just like a one-time thing. He, he's doing this in practice. If not this exactly, he's, he's, he's playing NBA-level basketball in practice over and over and over again. And as we always say on this podcast, for anyone outside of a top-five pick and even for a top-five pick, someone who can just come in and be competent as a rookie, that is a fantastic sign that you're going to have a really extended NBA career. And initially in this game, I mean, you noted this, but I, I was a little worried because Chris Middleton was sort of picking on him. And I was like, I mean, he made like, like a, like the ultimate example of rookie mistake over helps on Giannis. You, one pass away from Chris Middleton. You can't do that. Middleton nails an open three, but he learned as the game went on, he started making better and better decisions defensively. And then offensively to your point, beyond just the insane shooting, the movement is what really got me excited because we keep talking about the reason they're so stagnant in the half court. And it seems like Julius Randle is like basically suffocating out there is because nobody's moving off the ball and defenders just don't respect the Knicks shooters, whether it's RJ Barrett or Evan Fournier, or, or obviously the centers like, they're able to crowd around Randall and they're able to like harass him and, and, and send bodies his way, or at least have at least be leaning in his direction, which, which makes such a big difference in help defense in the NBA. And with Grimes, like obviously this was like a generational shooting performance, but even when he's doing a little bit less than that, you can't do that. And you add in the fact that he's relocating, like as Randall drives, he's moving in sync with him to try and get the pass or, or he had that, that layup that he got from Derrick Rose where Rose drive and Grimes just sort of looped around him and got the ball. These aren't like incredible, unique qualities in an NBA player, but with this, like there's no other way to describe it. The low energy that the Knicks have had on offense all season long, it, it makes a massive difference. Yeah. That low energy is the, is sort of like the, the main thing I think that has been making the starters not good, you know, and, and, it was it was there to start the game, despite the fact you had Grimes starting. You know he was trying to do what he could, but it just—I I mean, for me, it's it's mostly Fournier at this point. And I mean, maybe I'll, I'll, we could touch on this a little more towards the end of the show because we got a few other things that are slightly more important to talk about. But just like Fournier is not bringing that energy in the starting lineup. Like Noel is still clearly hobbled and is having a hard time. 
you know, Rose, I, I even thought, I mean, Rose had a pretty good game in this game all told, but I think that he did better after the initial start of the game, you know, and same with Randall. And it's just like, I don't know what it is that leads to these guys always coming out flat, but someone or something needs to change here because it's just, you know, you remove Kemba Walker, which we'll also talk about in a minute and things just don't seem to be improving on that front, no matter who you slotted into that starting lineup. But Grimes for his time out there definitely did his best to try to infuse whatever he could. And I like that he was, you know, I'll give, if I'm going to give Tibbs props for one thing in this game, it's that he empowered Grimes to keep shooting when he was hot and to call his own number. And, you know, it's clearly put it into him. Like if you're open, shoot it. If you think you're open, shoot it, you know, regardless of if anybody else will tell you that you're open, if you think you can get the shot off, take it. And we saw it, you know, sort of hit a climax at one point where Grimes hit, I think three, uh, three straight, three pointers, if I'm not mistaken at one point, and then was feeling a little froggy came down the floor and like went for a fourth and probably got fouled by drew holiday, but it was, it was kind of a wild shot regardless, but you know, there have been times where with say quickly, for example, you know, if that would have happened where Tibbs might've, you know, given him the quick hook after that and been like, what are you doing? Why are you calling your own number? Despite the fact that any number of players on the Knicks, any of the vets could do that and never, get questioned once like Julius Randle, for example, could call his own number if he's hot and that will never lead to him getting benched. But it, so it was good to see that Tibbs sort of had some patience with Grimes and let him work through things. And even, you know, even once he cooled down fully, he still was patient enough to keep him in the game and, you know, work, let him, let him continue to work on things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's let's circle back, maybe talk a little bit more Grimes second segment, but we were going to take our first break and tell everyone about uh, DirecTV. Um, and I know, Alex, you, you mentioned that it's it's relevant to people with the MSG situation, but I'll, I'll just say in a general sense, this sounds familiar to people. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package so with that this lockdown podcast is brought to you by home chef now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down how are your resolutions coming one of mine was to order less takeout cook more at home but i'll be honest i haven't been consistent that is until i found home chef home chef provides fresh ingredients and chef designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals 
and free dessert for life, homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We are back on Locked On Knicks. We wanted to thank you one more time for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Um, final thoughts for me on Quentin Grimes. I just, I hope, and I don't think he will, but I hope Tibbs doesn't bury him when everyone is healthy, right? This is clearly like, I mean, I mean, you were saying in regards to Fournier, like, I mean, if this is the Evan Fournier that we're going to have the rest of the year, and it feels weird to say that because he's been a completely different guy for most of his career, but I mean, 26 games at this point, pretty substantial sample size. This version of Grimes, which we're, we're not going to get every night, but even even just the average outcome of Grimes, which I think is someone who's not afraid to shoot from three, who can attack a closeout, and at the very least is an upgrade over Fournier on defense, even if I would argue he's still below average relative to the NBA at this point, and, and one day will be really good. This is a, this is the guy who should be playing, right? Because the biggest thing the Knicks re- need right now is, is life. And like whether that is playing Obi and Randall together, whether that is at some point inserting Deuce and giving him like five or six minutes a game and just saying, just hey, just go kill the guy with the basketball. The Knicks need positive energy. And and maybe that means they're losing games 130 to 127 instead of 105 to 98. But I would I would prefer this team getting a little bit of momentum, a little bit of life, having a little bit of fun. Like I, I think that is so clearly what is missing. There's such a cloud, there is such a sense of pessimism, game in and game out, because this team just has no confidence that there's going to be any flow offensively. So I think if you're Tibbs right now. My priority would be vibes over just about anything else, like over like figuring out who your rim protector is defensively, like get things going, get these guys having fun. And and I think you'll start to see some iteration of last year's team come back out because to me, that's the biggest difference from last year to this year. Yeah, that's it's pretty astute. You know, I mean, it's it's not lost on these guys that they're that they came into the season with more pressure than probably any Knicks team in the last. 15 years. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to even say, I I guess maybe it's rewriting history a little bit to say that like the 2013 to 14 team didn't have high expectations after winning over 50 games. And and I guess expectations were pretty high that year, but people had some pretty serious doubts about their, their off season moves that year. You know, they lost so many of the vets that had made them so good in 12, 13. Then they pick up Bargnani and, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, that's a bad move. And, you know, some people that were dumb, like myself, talked themselves into it and tried to be like, yeah, but it could be different here. But like everybody sort of knew that the wheels were eventually going to fall off of that 13, 14 team. This year, it felt different because it was just kind of like, okay, the Knicks are basically returning the same team. They made, you know, tangible upgrades at two really important positions or so we thought. And, And, you know, there was expectations that, okay, you know, you guys came on hot the end of last year and ended up the four seed, like go prove that wasn't a fluke and do it again, or at least be close, you know, and that weight of expectations now with the building full of fans that, you know, will let you know if you're playing bad and (laughs) stuff like that. And the media that's now back in the building that you have to talk to every day, um, you know, and, and answer for, you know, your games to and everything else. It's uh, I'm sure it's pretty hard on these guys. So, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I do think that restoring the vibes, so to speak, is should be high on the priority list here. Like, I, I think that that'll help Julius Randle a lot. I think that'll help the Knicks, you know, overall a lot. And, you know, we talked about this in the in I think the last show, too, but they really need to just work on communicating with each other. It seems like, too, because I, I don't think that they're communicating on the floor enough and I don't think they're communicating 
off the floor enough from what it seems like, because the, just the way that they play just like drips with passive aggression. Like it just, it seems like someone's always, you know, just not having a good time, if not all of them, you know, and like Randall, I can't remember the last time it looked like he was having a good time, probably in the first like five, six games of the season. Um, same thing with like RJ and, and Fournier and, and all these guys, none of them are, you know, even when they're doing things somewhat well right now, you don't see any of that, that like joy coming out of them. And it's just bad. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. You know, it's just not fun to watch as a fan because it comes across, you know, that, that, that they're clearly not enjoying themselves playing basketball right now. And it leads to an unenjoyable product on the court, which leads to, you know, as a fan, like really, I, I'm not looking forward to watching games right now because I could tell that the team is basically resigning themselves to a loss almost every time out there. So something's got to change on that front. Maybe it's going to be with Julius Randle, um, which maybe we can, we can just take our second break real quick here, get this out of the way and then, and then get into this discussion we want to have on Randall. Uh, so I'll let everybody know real quick that today's episode is brought to you by built bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar built bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. There's so many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing. We have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie. Bilt Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Bilt Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throwing in your jacket or purse, you never know when you're going to need it. Because it's the season of peace and love, don't bring up your favorite Bilt Bar at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavors, they'll fight for it. And things could get out of hand. Do not try to tell me the cookies and cream is not the best flavor out there. You friends with Santa, well, tell Santa to throw a few Bilt Bars in those stockings. With so many flavors, they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on Bilt Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate, and it tastes so good you won't believe they're filled with protein. I just tried one the other day. That was a ruby chocolate built bar puff. Ooh, that was delicious. First ever ruby chocolate built bar. Really tasty. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And Bet Online has you covered all season long. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march towards the playoffs. So Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this year. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And with that, we are back. Third and final segment, as you mentioned, Alex. Um, this is something that I wanted to touch on. And I think for you, it's it's sort of a sort of a non-question to, to spoil your answer slightly. But there there is some there's some rumblings um, on on Nick's Twitter and just I don't know, just in, just in general, I think, in the fan base about Julius Randle, right? A guy who has not had the same season this year as he's had last year. Um, I just got cleaning the glass and I'm, I'm obsessed with using it all the time. So let me let me give everyone a little bit of a rundown on, on where Randle is compared to last season. So the usage is essentially the same 98th percentile a year ago, 97th percentile. 
this year, uh, points per shot attempt. So basically a good overall look at his efficiency. 42nd percentile in the league last year, 17th percentile this year. Assist percentage is still, and this is all first position, 97th percentile in the league. Still fantastic. Um, his effective field goal percentage, worst since his rookie year, was not that good last year, but this season all the way down to the 13th percentile league-wide. This year, he's better at the rim than he's been better on close jumpers, but his outside jumper is really where he's struggling. So if everyone remembers last year, Julius was absolutely elite at putting together multiple moves, toasting a guy one-on-one, stepping back, and hitting from somewhere between 14 feet out to the three-point line, or even beyond the three-point line. He was he was 44% on those shots last year, which was 75th percentile, but I don't think that really tells the whole story because we're talking about a guy who took these shots on really high volume and, and still managed to hit them at a relatively good rate. This season, still taking him at high volume, all the way down to 32%, though, uh, on, on long twos. And then from three, last year for a power forward, he was 91st percentile in the league. He, so he's, he's an elite three-point shooter for a power forward last year. 41%, that was way, way ahead of anywhere he's been in his career. This year, back to 34%, which would tie the second highest mark of his career, that is 48th percentile for a power forward. So all that is to say, the summary is, this is a guy who... Last year, in a high degree of difficulty, diet of shots was was pretty spectacularly efficient, despite it, and and in turn carried the Knicks to a great season. This season, um, he's taking those same shots. He's not making them at nearly the same rates, and he in turn has not been the same player. And Alex, all that is to say, are you worried in the slightest about the contract the Knicks gave Julius Randle? Which seemed like a massive discount on the guy he was last season. Um, maybe an overpay for the guy he'd been every year before last year. Ultimately seemed like a pretty fair deal, but it seems like he's regressing maybe slightly more than you would expect. Or maybe you'd make the case, hey, this is the middle ground between who he was and who he became a year ago. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty much with the middle ground thing. Let me just ask you this, Gavin. If you were going to rank what, uh, like, so let's say, you know, last year maybe we were we were talking about, oh, is Julius Randle a top 20 player in the NBA, blah, blah, blah. If you were going to rank him and say, like, Julius Randle is a top X player, it just arbitrarily off the top of your head, what would you say? Probably 75 to 100. Wow. <laughs> I yeah. think that's incredibly low on him. Yeah. But maybe, maybe, maybe. Regardless, uh, if so, his contract value this year, he is paid as the, uh, it's a little skewed because of this number, but he is paid like roughly the 50 or so. Lowest player in the NBA in his contract this year, making $20.7 million. That is just below Gary Harris, Fred Van Vliet, Malcolm Brogdon, Harrison Barnes, Aaron Gordon, Mike Conley, uh, Macau Bridges, Buddy Heald, Terry Rozier. The list goes on and on. I mean, I think that he's paid appropriately for who he is now. Like, if not slightly, even slightly underpaid for who he is now, if we're being honest, because the reality is that even though the Knicks have been losing, there's been a number of nights where he's basically been the Knicks still this year, uh, for better or worse, you know. And next year, he's going to be getting paid uh, $23.7 million, which would still... Uh, put him in the general vicinity of of some of those same guys I just mentioned, like Buddy Heald, Terry Rozier, Draymond Green, uh, Vucevic, John Collins, Jaron Jackson, Jalen Brown. Maybe he's one of the first ones where you start to say like, okay, I think he's he's quite a bit better than him. But like Al Horford, still making twenty seven million dollars. Like he's really he's he's not getting paid that 
exorbitantly for what he does on the court. Um, you know, I, I think that he does plenty good as far as, you know, living up to his contract. Um, and so it doesn't really worry me at all. If you were, if let's say that this all goes to hell and you want to completely blow it up in the next couple of years, fine. I, I don't think you would have any problem finding a trade suitor for Julius Randall, even if he still had three years left on his contract, because what he does, you know, a legitimately good team that can make him like their third option is extremely valuable. You know, the Golden yeah. State Warriors, for example, would jump at the opportunity to add Julius Randle right as Draymond Green is getting ready to, you know, kind of hang it up. Um, so I, it doesn't worry me at all. I, I think that I think everything's fine with his contract. And, you know, I, I'm going to maybe take the opposite stance of some of like the people on Twitter and whatever, because, for example, I, I tweeted something today just about how the starting lineup is always coming out with low energy. And, of course, everybody's like, what's the one common denominator? It's Julius Randle. And I'm like, yeah, I agree to some degree. And he ha- he certainly hasn't been exemplary. But I think more often than not, he's been one of the only guys actually giving a crap out there. While some of the other players that have been in the starting lineup, like Fournier, for example, have been the ones that have basically been like super timid, not looking to shoot, not looking to defend not looking to do pretty much anything on the court. And it's just like, what, how is that? You know, I don't think we're taking into account just how defeating that can be for a star player too, even if he should be above that. But like Randall's more of a lead by example sort of guy. So if he's setting an example and he doesn't see others following suit, I think that kind of like hurts his feelings to a degree. And it's not to say that feelings should have any place on a professional basketball court. Cause you're kind of just supposed to like come in and do your job. But like, you know, I, I think there's, there's been a little bit more lumped on Julius Randle so far this year than I think is totally fair, given the fact that the rest of the team has not been really performing at all either, particularly his starting mates who have been, I mean, just the most inconsistent group in the entire NBA as far as like Fournier will hit five threes and then not be able to shoot for a week. RJ will do the same thing, but then not be able to shoot for a month. You know, uh, IQ coming off the bench who, you know, you want to be playing consistent minutes, goes through these cold stretches like he's going through right now where he can't hit a three for anything. Like, it's just I I could see where for a player that was used to at least having a security blanket like Reggie Bullock last year, who he knew could hit some threes and play defense with him and stuff to where this year he might be a little discouraged by how this team is doing and, and the weight of expectations kind of bearing down. But it's not to totally right you know anything that julius has done or not done this season off but i'm not too worried about his contract and i i hope that the knicks can find a way to make it so he could be the second or third best player at some point which is what he really should be rather than right yeah. now where he's almost like he's not quite on the level like tim hardaway jr when the knicks were were making him their first option um because i think he's quite a bit better than thj but it's sort of a similar situation where i feel like randall is being tasked with being the alpha and the omega here and is ill-equipped to do that. And now is catching the, you know, the, the heat for it, uh, even though he probably shouldn't. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. And you can, and when people argue last year was the perfect storm, you can say that and also say in the context, like, yeah, he was playing a role that he was, he was underqualified for last year. Like it took everything going right for him to be right for that role for just, just for a regular season, obviously in the playoffs, there were a lot of issues. Um, and this year, like he's just he's just not that guy. And that's OK. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Because to your point, he's not being paid like he should be that guy. And it, it was a conversation I had with Ariel. But it would be like I would I, I want him 
to get that opportunity to play off like a Damian Lillard or who, whoever it may be that the Knicks eventually find a way to get. And and maybe like a lot of people, myself included, would, would immediately shut up and say, oh, this is a guy who can average 20 points and have like a 60% EFG when he's shooting wide open threes and he's rolling to the rim. And that was, look, that was what we thought this season was going to be with Kemba, with Evan Fournier. And for various reasons, it hasn't been that. And that, that's kind of where I want to jump next to Kemba Walker. Because you made this point on Twitter, Alex, and I thought it was a fantastic one. The fact that Kemba didn't play today. And I, I was surprised by that. I, I thought he was, he was, he was going to get some run. Um, kind of suggests that there's, there's not really, I mean, like maybe if like Rose and quickly were both out, like then I think you would see him, but it seems like Tibbs has, has moved on, right? Like he, he's, he's done with, with that relationship and or not with that relationship, but with Kemba being a, being a factor on this year's Knicks or, or, or any, any future Knicks team, presumably, um, this was a stat that, that I mentioned a couple of days back, but I, I saw Tom Piccolo throw it out today. Uh, the Knicks defensive rating with Kemba before he got benched, 108.5 allowed per 100 possessions. The Knicks defensive rating in eight games since Kemba's benching, 109.4 allowed per 100 possessions. This was also the subject of, of a basketball uh, breakdown YouTube that I was watching that was, was making the argument that there were other factors at play um, that uh, kind of highlighted Kemba's defensive deficiencies that, that maybe there could have been a better job covering them up. And it's, it's a conversation that I'm sort of torn on, right? Because if you go with my, like, let's just have fun conversation. Let's just make the offense as good as possible. Kemba Walker is like pretty inarguably still like one of the better offensive players on this roster. But I also, I, I see the, the counter, which is like everything that you and I were, were saying over and over again, that defensively, there are just certain aspects of him that, that are sort of untenable, like namely like his height and his like lack of, I guess, foot speed at this point. Um, but time and time again, you would see him in like closeouts and mismatches. And we, we talked a ton about how the Knicks just had to contort themselves to avoid Kemba getting into a mismatch, like especially in transition. Like normally in transition, you see guys just pick up whoever, um, and that allows you to get back quickly and allows you to, to defend the ball and, and stop the ball and, and then sort of readjust once you're settled in the half court. But with Kemba Walker, he was, he was such an issue in that sense that they couldn't do just that. They, they basically had to make sure everyone got back on their man so Kemba could guard the smallest player on the other team. All that is to say, Alex, I guess, what is your what is your general feeling on, on Kemba Walker at this point? And, and do you think that burying him seemingly under any circumstance is the right move? Or, or given the fact that the Knicks defense has actually gotten worse since he's been benched, is there an argument to bring him back into the rotation? I mean, I, I don't think that the numbers are lying at all about what Kemba's impact was. You know, I don't think we should like delude ourselves into thinking like, okay, because the defense has gotten worse with Kemba out of the lineup, that somehow that means that Kemba made it better, you know? And, and I also don't think that he necessarily made the offense better because literally the number said across the board and the eye test confirmed this, that when Kemba was out there, the offense was worse and the defense was worse. His on off numbers were just like deplorably bad. They were, <laughs> you know, he was, he was like, I think it was like a minus, minus 16 18, or 16, 17, 18 overall, something like that, you know, in the, in his on off numbers. And that's just terrible. I mean, that's, that's horrendous. And, you know, so I don't think that we should trick ourselves into thinking, oh, putting him back in solves anything. And my overall take on the relationship, like you said, is basically like, yeah, I think it's over. I mean, I don't think Tibbs wants anything to do with him anymore. I doubt that they have any like real animosity, you know, like they hate each other or something. But I think from a basketball perspective, Tibbs has made up his mind that the Kemba Walker experiment is done and we're not going to play him again. And he's not going to be a New York Knick anymore. 
And I think we should probably just prepare ourselves for, I mean, maybe he'll be used as salary filler in a trade. Uh, if not, he's probably going to hit the buyout market and end up with some contender uh, around February because, you know, some team will take a chance on him as like a six man or something or or just, a, you know, a spot, uh, you know, bench minutes guy, you know, and try to extract that value out of him. But Tibbs doesn't see that value in him. Tibbs only sees him apparently as a starting player. And if he's not starting, then he doesn't see him playing at all. We saw the same sort of thing play out last year with Peyton, although Peyton got a much longer leash, but Tibbs would consistently say, you know, people would say, Hey, why don't you start quickly? And he'd say, well, Quickly's a bench player and Alfred's a starting player. And it's like, I still don't know what the hell that means, but that's how Tibbs apparently that's the binary that Tibbs brain works on is you're either a starter or you're a bench player and you can't be one or the other. And you can't mix those two at all, you know, or else everything's going to explode. You know, it's like, he thinks it's like a, uh, you know, it's like mixing a uh, uh, bleach and um, uh, ammonia, you know, like it's going to kill him if he does it. Um, but like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that playing Kemba would change anything despite like what our buddy, Mark Berman wants to write. He wrote a column today that I, Berman's a little uh, a little misguided here because he said that the Knicks should assign uh, Kemba to the G League, which they can't do. You can't assign a veteran player to the G League without their permission. Um, but like, you know, he he's painting this picture that it's a huge catastrophe and literally has a quote in here that says one NBA agent said it's a catastrophe um, about Kemba's situation. I mean. I don't know if I, it's sad. I don't know if I'll go so far as to say catastrophe. I also don't think it's a little strong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't think I would rush to try to find him playing time just for optics or anything like that. And in fact, I wish that the Knicks would go even further towards not embracing optics and bench 48 at this point too, because you know, not necessarily fully out of the rotation, but at least bench him and put him up against bench units instead of starters so that he can maybe get a little bit of his mojo back. Because, you know, I, I think these two guys that the Knicks brought in, they thought were going to be good additions. And thus far they've proven to be not good additions and that's okay. It's just, you know, you just got to be willing to admit that uh, sooner rather than later. So that the whole season doesn't go off the rails. Um, But, you know, as far as like the defensive rating being worse now that, Kemba's been out. I mean, I think you could pretty easily attribute that to say, like, you know, Alec Burke starting after not starting for, you know, the last two seasons, really. I don't know if he drew a start last year and suddenly having to work that chemistry out. Evan Fournier not looking like he can guard his way out of a paper bag still. That's a problem. Um, Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel both having their struggles. That's a problem. And they've been like exacerbated lately. Like Mitch somehow at times has looked even worse now than he did even like in like the first game of the season. I mean, there's so many different things that are coming into play here. I have a hard time thinking that bringing Kemba back would solve any of it. Um, just, and even to your point, you know, maybe you could try to bring him back and play turbo ball, but even the offense was worse when he was playing. So sure. You could try to become the, you know, the 1990 nuggets with him, you know, and give up, give up uh, 175 or score 175 points a game, but you're going to give up 185 in all likelihood. So I just, I don't see it. Um, and I think unfortunately his time is probably just done with the team at this point, unless, you know, the team gets so struck by COVID by this little outbreak that they're dealing with that literally like half the roster has to sit. 
in which case we might just get 48 minutes of Deuce McBride. So I guess we'll see <laughs> when we get there. Yeah, which would be fun in its own right. All right, uh, very quickly, because we, we've talked not a whole lot about this game. Uh, I'll just I'll, I'll give a quick rundown of my thoughts. Um, I, I It's a shame we're, we won't get more time on him, but I thought Derek Rose was, was at least offensively pretty spectacular in this one. Also had like three like back-to-back deflections defensively. They were awesome, but just, just made some nasty layups, like great passing, like had, had this brilliant bounce pass to Knox and give, give credit to Kevin Knox for, for cutting for once in his life uh, to him for a dunk um back to back awesome assist to Quentin Grimes like when Grimes went on that hot streak got started because Rose got him two easy shots by just getting to the lane and and drawing the defense hit Mitch for another dunk I mean I just thought that this was a classic Derrick Rose game in every respect and he was like it felt like he was the one Nick outside of Grimes who really came to play Emmanuel quickly I just want to quickly note um wow I, I can't help myself um 11 of his last 48 from three that is since the Suns game that is 22 percent a lot of them have been wide open and he is just, there's something, there's something off there now. And like, I think it's, I think maybe it's similar to RJ. Well, not, not the stomach bug, but he's just very much in his head. So hopefully that turns around too. And finally a, a shout out to, to our guy, Kevin Knox at, at one point our he, he was, he was Mitchell Robinson before Mitchell Robinson. He was, well, I guess Mitchell Robinson was Mitchell Robinson that year. He was Emmanuel quickly before Emmanuel quickly. I'll say that we, we, we at one point loved him. Maybe at one point we'll love him again. I'm not sure, but but did hit five threes in this game. Uh, I thought there were some of the typical Noxian issues that we don't really have to go into because they're just not that relevant to the Knicks anymore. But uh, shout out to him. I was happy for him getting a chance to play and having a, a relatively good game. Yeah, shout out Kevin Knox, our our original baby Nick from our time on this show. Uh, the, the, the guy that you famously called the most likely all-star on the Knicks at one point, which we'll just never let go. Until you know, as long as the Knicks don't have another young all-star, that still could be right. So it still could be correct. Yeah. We haven't gotten that one, that one breakthrough guy yet. Um, yeah. Uh, shout out to miles McBride only getting 46 seconds of playtime somehow. I thought he would be able to find the floor for at least a couple minutes. Uh, so that was kind of disappointing. Uh, Mitch, I'll just say I, I'm his biggest supporter. I swear, but like he's got to really work on consistency he was so bad in the first half. I mean, he may as well have not even been playing in the first half. He wasn't contesting things at the rim. He wasn't getting after rebounds and boxing out. He just wasn't doing any of the things that literally could be make or break factors on him making a butt ton of money this coming off season. He just decided not to do any of that. And then the second half, he put it together and he put together, I thought a pretty good half, but he's really got to, I mean, honestly, he's got to shut up on Instagram and stop talking about his plus minus and whatever other crap and just worry about playing. I'm getting kind of tired of his, uh, his general inconsistency, even though I, I really like how he's playing. And I do think I've seen, you know, some improvement in his conditioning and stuff. So he's got to start translating that into consistency on the court and stop having these times where he just sleepwalks and, and screws the team over. Um, I'll also echo your praise for Derek Rose. Like I liked how he played in the start. Maybe that's even, an answer here, you know, is to start having Rose start the games instead of Burks and have uh, quickly run the point off the bench and let Burks go back to that role. Cause I, I really haven't been liking the, the Burks at point guard experiment lately. I think they do still need someone that can sort of break the defense down. If Randall's having struggles and Rose is that guy. So hopefully maybe this was a sign of things to come there. Um, I still think Nerlens looks kind of hurt and should probably, sit for a little bit considering Taj is healthy and has also apparently been relegated to not playing at all. Uh, but you know, it is what it is there. 
And uh, yeah, quickly just needs to start finding some consistency in his shot again because it, it, it opens up so much more for the Knicks when he's hitting shots. And he has not been lately. And it's sorely, sorely missed because for a while, he was one of the only guys you could really count on to make threes for that that few week stretch where he was so hot. Um, and it needs to get back to that on a more consistent basis. But anyway, I think that's it for this episode of Locked on Knicks. We've gone on long enough about yet another loss. Uh, buckle up, though, everybody, because I think we might be running into another one. Uh, Steph Curry apparently is going to rest on Monday in the first game of a back-to-back against Indiana. And then it's going to come to the Garden and try to make seven threes and break Ray Allen's all-time three-point record. So can't wait till he scores like 75 points and actually hits like 17 threes and breaks the overall NBA record or something just as an extra screw you to the Knicks and to Knicks fans. So uh, that's going to be great. And that'll also drop the Knicks to, I think, four games under 500 if they lose that game. So, yeah, fun times ahead. Uh, This has been Locked on Knicks. We'll be here to break down all of them for you guys (laughs) over the coming weeks. So fun. Let's go. Let's go. Big time. Big time stuff. Until next time, peace out, everybody. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks for listening. And uh, go subscribe on YouTube. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 